0: Thank you. Welcome to another episode of From Hunts to Humans. I'm Danielle, and I'm here today with my uh, Instagram friend, Sarah, and we are going to talk about um, her MLM story, but also we're going to talk about MLMs and how um, they are oh my gosh, I'm like stumbling over my words, um, how people in the education field are specifically targeted in a lot of cases, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. So, hi.
1: Hi, Danielle. I'm really excited to have this conversation, too. So, <laughs> I'm not really sure where you want to, like, get started. I guess I can um, start with where I, you know, entered into MLMs. I was involved with two um, and it's it's kind of wild because I feel like you don't hear a lot about these two, but they're very 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 predatory. And this that's Cutco, which was right after I graduated high school. A lot of people get involved with it around that time. Um, and then the second one was Avon. So again, this was around two thousand nine. Things were a little different in terms of what was posted on social media. Um, I just graduated high school. I could not, for the life of me, find a job that would keep me for three months while I was waiting from high school to go on, you know, to move away to college. Um, so I was really in the prime spot to have someone come in and say, hey, I have a job for you. Um, and that's basically what Vector Marketing does very liberally is they send out a lot of um, mass messages back then it was letters and um you know you couldn't really find as much about their business on the internet as you can now um you can find a lot more information about like what you're actually gonna end up doing but you know they they give you a letter and it says you're gonna you know make 15 dollars per base appointment um flexible scheduling and you know and they make it seem like it's a competition because you actually go to an interview but what you end up realizing is that everyone that is in there with you is also going to be hired. At least almost everyone. Um, but they do make it seem like a, like it is a bit of a competition. So um, how it worked is I um, you know got this letter. I went to this address and I was 17 at the time. So I brought my dad with me because uh, obviously you know I couldn't sign on to anything without him or you know another guardian. So. Um, you know, we sat through this, uh, I guess, interview process at first, it was like a group interview and, um, it was kind of in this shady little, um, strip mall. It was in a, I would say like nicer area, but it was just, it, it did not look very professional from the outside when you're looking at it. Um, so it didn't say anything about like what we were selling. You would just kind of knew you were going into a vector marketing. That's what it said. Um, It didn't say anything about selling knives. It didn't say anything about what you were going to be selling. It just said, you know, come to this job interview. So um, I'm having this job interview and I don't even know what we're going to be selling, but they make it sound like it is absolutely the most fun. Um, You know, they're very charismatic. And then um, after they do this, like what they consider a group interview, which was really just them kind of like. Screening the room to see who they would like to kind of, you know, take on and maybe see who they might not like to take on, you know, they kind of invited each person in for an individual interview and um that's when they would really just, if they wanted you, they would love bomb you. They would really say, you know, oh, you would be a perfect fit for this. Um, You know, you're going to have a great time. And then, you know, they made it sound super like fun, which I think was kind of the, you know, the part that made it exciting for me on top of like, you know, having a job. I think, um, I didn't really kind of grasp what the pay was going to be like. And when, you know, my dad was asking, what are, what are you going to get paid? And I would say, you know, I'm not really like sure yet, but I'm sure I'll have some kind of answer. Um, So they kind of just like give you these small amounts of information, you know, just enough to get you excited. And then, you know, when they offered me the position, obviously I said, yes, and I, I really needed the job. So I took it and I, It kind of felt like being in school all over again, because there was like this week long training process where you had to be there, you know, very early in the morning and you were there until about, you know, five in the afternoon. So it kind of felt like, you know, a full time job. You were, you know, you went there and I remember, I mean, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, I was not with this company for that long, but I was in it so deep that I felt like I lived a lifetime while I was in it it was very um, intense. It was time consuming. It was um, a lot of driving. I had just gotten my driver's license. I was probably not the best driver in the world. And I was also still printing off directions with, you know, the internet, like, you know, (laughs) oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, we didn't, I, I had a flip phone, so I wasn't doing, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing anyways. So I remember the training process because we finally figure out what we're, you know, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be selling and what they present it as is that you're not selling door to door, you're not going door to door, you're just selling to your friends and family, that's it. And, um, you know, they kind of make it like it's, uh, you know, you're gonna practice with your friends and family and then they're going to give you referrals to other people. And then you're going to, you know, that's how it's gonna keep going is you're always gonna keep having more and more follow-ups from people that you've already had an appointment with. Um, so like they, they, you know, give you more of this information. And again, it's like the, the way it's timed, I think is very um, strategic. Also there is not a lot about like recruiting and I'll kind of get into like what I've gathered um you know being out of it from the last few years but um basically you know we were not encouraged like you know to go out and bring people in it was more so like to sell as much as you could you know and they really encouraged you to sell as much as you could within the first like you know week 10 days whatever i forgot like what the you know time frame they they used, but it wasn't very long, and um, they would have you know like rewards each time for uh, you know people who sold a certain amount, and um, yeah, so it started off you know with the trainings, and I remember that the trainings were not paid, but that they felt like I mean they felt like school, they felt like you were sitting you know like you were learning something, and you know they were just like building you up to like be able to do the presentation with the knives and. So yeah you know we're selling these knives and they, they give us you know the whole spiel with it and it's a you know a thirty minute presentation that they they train you how to do and it's very um just it, it's like it, it's like memorizing a script you know it's very simple it's also um, got some very you know uh, specific like jokes that they want you to kind of like throw in and stuff like that um, they also give you scripts to call people they give you you know everything. They also, um, you know, started you off with the name every single person that you know you know and their phone number and give them a call, set up an appointment with them. Like that was kind of like how our training went.
0: Yeah. So yeah,
1: that was training, um, and you know, setting up these appointments. And the way I remember they made it seem like was, oh, have your first couple appointments with like you know your mom, your family, or da 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 da. So that way, you know, you practice in front of them. But it's like you're not practicing; you're selling to them because you're expecting them to buy something from you. Right. Um, so that's what we did. That um, entire training time was we'll set up these appointments, and you know, learn how to do this presentation with the knives. Um, I remember the most expensive set they they like taught us how to sell was about eight hundred and fifty dollars. And they taught us about how you can, you know, we, they have like a credit line, you know, it's not even like a credit line. I think it's just like you break it up into like equal payments. But anyways, that, you know, they made it affordable for the average person. So, you know, that's kind of how they they made it for us to, to go out and to pitch to people. And, you know, they told us to go to all of our friends and family. And that's what I did. I, I went to all of my friends and family and they were very gracious and very kind, um, and did not, you know, make fun of me or anything. They let me do it. I was 17. You know, my my dad was really not, like, loving the whole experience when I was being interviewed, but he was just like, you know what, like, this is, you know, your first job, might as well. It wasn't even my first job, I guess, because I had a job at Dairy Queen, like, when I was 15, but that was just, that was different. (laughs) Anyway. So, you know, this was my first thing right out of high school. Um, I feel like I should mention that I went into this not thinking I was going to do this forever. I was just thinking I want to do this until I go to college. So that's it. That's That was my entire, I just wanted some money to have while I was away at college. I didn't want to have to depend on my family so much.
0: Yeah. So
1: that was my goal. And I think that kind of kept my, um, you know, kept me grounded because they really, um, you know, hype up like this business, you know, working um, for the company. Because you know, they say, well, once you sell a certain amount of money, then you're making fifty percent commission of all of these sales. If you think about it, you know, you're selling like, if you sell the big Kahuna, you know, eight hundred and fifty dollars, that's like four hundred dollars in thirty minutes that you've made, which is not. I mean, that's obviously before taxes and stuff, yeah. but still. You know, it's just, especially at that time, it sounded so good, obviously. Um, and, you know, they, they, they compared it to, oh, um, if you're working minimum wage somewhere, you know, it takes you two hours to make $15. And, you know, here you only have to do a 30-minute presentation. And, you know, the worst that happens is you get the base pay. So what I, what I finally like learned about the base pay part is that actually comes out of the recruiter's pockets of the people who like hire you. So they're your recruiters. And what I kind of gathered is the the company runs like on this cycle of, you know, they have a whole bunch of new recruits and um, as they kind of like fizzle out because it's just, it's not sustainable to keep selling these really expensive knives to all of your um you know friends and family they don't need them uh you know they'll, they'll they'll keep some that they really like and encourage them to open their own branches I'm so then,
0: like I, I'm looking it up right now it's like I feel like like has have you looked into it recently I've
1: looked into some of their advertising recently and like some of their um not their advertising um what is it like their ads, you know, for jobs, but I don't know if much has changed. This is just from my experience at the time.
0: Yeah. Oh, I do see right at the bottom. Cause I was like, it's not like the recruiting is like, you know, our main thing that we don't like about network marketing, but like vector marketing has always been weird. And it's like oh, a little bit is different. about the recruiting. Here's, here's the thing though is
1: really, um, they know that it's not sustainable to just sell the knives. It's sustainable to have these branches of where you train these new recruits. They come in, they fizzle out after about a month, two months, and then you get a new cycle of them. And they're, you know, like 17, 18 year olds, sometimes even younger, sometimes they're even still in high school. So, you know, like this is This is something that they bank on. And that's why I'm very, very um, passionate about this right now is like understanding how evil these companies are. But that one really kind of flies under the radar.
0: It does. They are a member of the Direct Selling Association. Um, I'm sure that gives them a lot of credibility, right? The fake credibility, like the Direct Selling Association, I'm pretty sure is made up of all network marketing
1: companies. it is, it is. And it's also just, it's, it's big pyramid. It's the lobbying agent of, um, you know, their, their people.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. So I feel like it's like, I remember when I was in high school, I, I just got out. I got a call. I got a letter. I got multiple calls being like, so-and-so, uh, recommended you. And so like, how did that work?
1: In terms of, um,
0: for me personally, how I got recruited or like
1: recommending people.
0: Yeah. Did you know like how they got a hold of like people's names and stuff? That's always been like a mystery for me.
1: Yes. So I think that they also would ask you if you knew anyone who would be good for the job, but they didn't offer you any incentives for it.
0: Uh Uh-huh. So
1: they they asked you if you ha- I think maybe like the, the incentive might have been like oh you know uh, like they get they give you like a gift or something you know like a, yeah. like a or something. Or something. I don't know I don't remember but I just remember that they asked for you know if you if you knew anyone who might want to do this job and they they definitely you know stressed like how um, you know this was a lifestyle. And, you know, that people could make a lot of money off of it. And, you know, look at these people, not even 21 and they're, you know, making so much money. Um, I went to appealing
0: so, so appealing, so appealing to like, you know, a 17, 18 year old, like, how can you say no to that opportunity to make potentially $400 in 30 minutes? That's fantastic.
1: Oh, yeah. And especially when you know, it's only going to be for a limited amount of time. I think that if I had been like, not if I didn't have, you know, kind of a, an aim, if I didn't have, you know, the goal of going away to college, I already knew like, there was no, you know, I'm I'm going back from this, this, there was an end date. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think that's what kept me from really getting swept away, because I think they're probably were some people who who stuck it out from when I started. I knew one guy who he'd been around for a while and I'm like still friends with him on socials and he's been around for a while, but he does like the shows, which I didn't understand how that worked. Like how you were allowed to like, they have them sometimes at Costco, like Sam's club, they'll have them, you know, they'll have them at malls um, and all these other kinds of, um, you know, like pop-up sales and stuff. So it's, it's interesting to me. I never understood how like he got that position, but that was not obviously like offered to any of the people that I knew. Um, mm-hmm. I did know that one guy that I, I got hired with, he was offered like to open a branch like shortly after, um, you know, I had left and we had stayed in contact a little bit. So that's kind of how I gathered, you know, that that was how the business kind of ran because I realized that so- it was very, very intense when I said, when, you know, we were in there, it was like a summer camp and like people were dating each other. It was like really, really, really messy. Um, And I remember like looking back on like everyone's socials, maybe a year after and no one was like friends with each other or in contact with each other. Most people had left. So I remember thinking like, wow, that's so
0: bizarre. Yeah. Like you're only friends with the people while you're in.
1: And it was like very intense, you know, like, oh, let's, let's go out and hang out, you know, and get food afterwards. And, um, you know, there were tons of like these, uh, like mini kind of conventions and seminars that we would attend, obviously all unpaid. Um, But it was fun. You know, they made it fun. It was a lot of the same regurgitated information over and over and over again, but they made it um exciting and enjoyable uh like I said I did go to like a big convention of theirs um and it wasn't something I had to travel for because it was held in Detroit um and I was very close but I do know that they hold they hold you know bigger ones and ones all over but they were like real I remember they were like hyping it up they were saying this is gonna be like a paid little mini vacation um that was the 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 that they used um, up until like the day they said, hey, we need to collect money for that trip, guys.
0: So. Yep.
1: <laughs> so it wasn't free. Um, they did ask us to pay for some, you know, I, I can't remember honestly how much it was. It was, this was quite a while ago. Yeah. So, um, but I do remember paying some money and thinking, wait, they said it was free. So you can kind of see those like, yep you know, breadcrumbs from the other MLMs that you hear about being, um, you know, in this, in this setting as well. I think they hide it so well because they make it seem like you're making so much money off of these knife sales, you know? Yeah.
0: And like, because they don't like make you do the recruiting, like they are, like you, you just don't realize that you're recruiting by giving over all of these names
1: yeah and they probably also I mean thinking about like because you had to kind of put in like you know people's names and numbers when you did orders, I wonder if they also used I don't know if they used that information um, because you did have to like enter it into a system. So I'm not sure I'm, I'm probably to, yeah,
0: probably. Hey, did you like our knives? Do you want to sell them? Cool
1: well it's you know they, they will definitely follow up with people and ask them if you know they need their knives sharpened because that's like a service they offer for life is that you know you will always have the ability to have someone come over and they'll sharpen your knives they'll also try to upsell you on more products so you know
0: yeah that's interesting Yeah, I'm glad that you weren't in it for very long. It's kind of nice that you already had that automatic out of like, I'm going to college. So like you didn't end up getting wrapped up in it for too, too long, but long enough that you were like in there, huh?
1: I was, I was really in there and it really felt like a lifetime while I was in there. It felt very, um, just all consuming. I was very, very into it. I was, I just, gosh, I really remember that time so vividly because I was so into it. And uh, yeah, I've never
0: been that invested in a job before. Uh, so it's so crazy to like, to think about it. Like I was talking to one of the other like content creators and we were talking about how, you know, you never get thus invested in anything else. Like no one gets mad at you if you say you don't like to shop at Target. I mean, like, I think that you're crazy, but like, I mean, no cares,
1: yeah, it's like, you know, if, if you worked at one place, and you left it to go to another, you wouldn't have those people then harassing you about um, leaving. And granted, I didn't have anyone harass me for leaving, thank goodness, but they definitely tried they tried to say, you can do this while you're still, you know, up in, up in college. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. Because I knew that my college time was going to be wild. I was, you know, going to be a music major. Absolutely not. So that's, that was my easy out. However, being in college made me also, you know, vulnerable without having that kind of income. You know, I couldn't find a, a, you know, a job that worked with my schedule because it was, so wild and busy um so that's where avon comes in oh no
0: and and this kind of like
1: um and and honestly in the grand scheme of things avon probably had less of an impact on my life than, than cutco did but it's just still funny how it came to me because i was dating a guy and his mom recruited me oh no oh yeah
0: how messy! That must have been messy.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was very messy. But um, luckily, uh, you know, there was no harm, no. I mean, I don't like talk with her anymore. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, some exes I've stayed friends with their moms because they're, you know, whatever. But like moms this- are
0: obviously the best part of relationships. Yeah,
1: you know, get to meet the, their parents because sometimes they're really nice people. Sometimes you realize why they are the way they are because. <laughs> So yeah, um, I was just, I was looking for something that I could make a little bit of extra money. Um, I did not know like the extent of uh, what it was. I remember my first like introduction to Avon was in Edward Scissorhands. So I just, I, I remember thinking of that. And I think in my head, I I had thought it was maybe like how it was back in the times where like you had kind of like a designated area and, you know, and I thought maybe like I would be like the only one in this, you know, area, obviously not. There were a lot of other people and it has become much more about recruiting than it is about, you know, um, actually like selling makeup. Um, the thing is, is it was cheap stuff. Um, I honestly don't think I had anyone buy anything from me, um, but I remember getting so many goddamn catalogs, <laughs> so many, and you had to pay for them. You had to yeah. pay for those like brochures that you can hand out. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, it's not conducive to dorm room living because that adds up every month, every you know, every season or whatever that they come out. It's, it's a lot of stuff that they give you. Um, and it's just, it was, yeah, it was just not sustainable. And I, I couldn't do it even with, you know, the like limited time that I did have. It just wasn't, yeah, I, I let it kind of like fizzle out and thankfully that relationship ended. So it, it just kind of ended with that, but I didn't ever end up becoming so invested that it like took over my life. I do know a ton of people though, who it has, and also, um, you know, who I kind of have met now through the education world, and it's uh, it's interesting. It's very wild.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like this is where your like personal MLM story ends, and where we're going to open up to the broader topic of what we're seeing in the workplace.
1: Yeah. I think it's very um, particular with, with teachers because um, they are already used to doing so much unpaid work that it's like already, you know, they're already primed for it. Yeah. And then on top of that, they um, a lot of times are very altruistic people. They want to help others. And so it becomes a very, you know, easy way to sell to them as well as Um, you know offer like oh you have such a big network of people that you know you know you'll be able to have lots of people buy from you and you know you can offer it to your coworkers. never mind that that is super unethical to bring into a workplace um, you know any sort of like business venture that you have on the side to mix that in with your because here's the thing educators teachers anyone that works in a school they, they, a lot of times have really big hearts. They want to support you. They will oftentimes try to help, um, any way that they can, um, they'll buy something from you and they're, they're easy to sell to a lot of the times because they want to, they want to see people be successful. And it just, it ends up soiling a lot of the relationships that you could have with the people that you work with because, um, you know, you're, you're bringing that, other elements of money into it. And, um, you know, then commodifying that relationship.
0: Exactly. And I feel like it's just, oh, the whole thing is just so icky. Um, but I see, so I, um, am a therapist and I like go to schools to do therapy and, I'll, like, see on, like, the break room tables, like, all of the, like, catalogs, or, like, the one that kills me is all the Shakeology cups that teachers will be drinking their Shakeology at school, and it's just so upsetting to me because they're not thinking about how they're actually promoting to their kids diet culture because, you know, oh my mom does shakeology too. And like, you know, just put I, if I could just like shake everyone and be like, just put your protein in a tumbler from Starbucks.
1: Like I know, right? So another one that I see all the time is the Herbalife cups. Yeah. They make me crazy. I see a lot of scentsy toys because they've got like those sense those those kind of scented kids things. Um kids will bring them to school. Yeah. Um I have seen Osborne books, mm-hmm. The Lord, um, just really, that's that's a really chaotic MLM. I, I have looked into them and I feel like they are kind of not getting enough uh, heat for how much they, um, what's it called? Prey on schools, moms. It's just, it's really icky. I don't like it.
0: Yeah. No, actually, I had an episode a couple, was it two episodes ago, I think, um, where she was a teacher and she got roped in the Usborne books. Um, and, and it's so hard. She was saying, you know, the books themselves aren't bad. It's one of those cases where like the product isn't terrible, like they're books.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to, to mess up um, children's books. I'm yeah. sure they, they can certainly try. Um, but I think, uh, another, another thing that I feel like we don't talk a lot about is, uh, essential oils in schools because, oh my gosh, the amount of teachers that I've seen diffusing young living doTERRA oils in their classrooms, y'all kids can have reactions to that other adults that you work with can have reactions to that. Whenever there's a teacher that I work with that diffuses this like peppermint oil all the time. And I sneeze like crazy every time I walk into her room and she's just like, Oh, it's the peppermint. Do you like it? And it's just, it's so mind boggling to me. Uh, You know, it can be an irritant for someone. um, And also just, it's, it's really tacky to have you know like a a product that you're constantly just like making your whole personality about I mean that's kind of mean, I'm sorry, but like no, you know especially,
0: it's true, though.
1: especially with some of these like, essential oils, it's just, oh my gosh they they are they are taking over some of these uh, education worlds I'm not, I'm not even kidding like I've seen a lot of teachers getting involved with them. Um, I knew a lot of people also in. Um, you know, back when I was kind of involved in a church, I'm no longer involved in, in a church, thank goodness. Um, but I was really, uh, dismayed to see how many people started selling young living and, um, you know, like pushing, pushing this, like, a, Oh, this is a, this is a way to attain financial freedom. And God wants you to have that, you know, le- that life and this whole prosperity gospel nonsense. Yeah. It's just, it's 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 weird (laughs) it's
0: it takes away from the messages that are supposed to be taken away from church I feel like um I'm not a religious person at all but like I feel like the point is to like be a good person and instead they're like be a good person and buy my stuff um that I don't actually make any money off of but you're not a good person if you don't buy my things right exactly and all the things that go along with not being a good person in the church. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, another thing that I wanted to talk about too, is I feel like the school fundraisers, like I, we had an, another episode where um, Mallory talked about she like ran an, a perfectly posh fundraiser, and she like donated her commission. and we talked about how that was problematic but also like school fundraisers in general, like it could be selling chocolate bars. Literally, we are priming kids to work for nothing. Oh, you sell a hundred candy bars and you get a coloring book, like fantastic. Like what?
1: I understand that. I think some of these uh, fundraisers, especially um, they are very out of touch with, with what people can really afford um, I, I, we get them constantly, uh, mm-hmm. you know, these brochures that, that kids are trying to, to sell out of. Um, and here's the problem is we wouldn't need any of these things if schools were just well funded in the first place. Right. And if people's basic needs were being taken care of at home, um, you know, we talk we talk a lot about, you know, like, how do we keep people from getting, you know, staying away from these companies? Well, we do it by creating a work environment that people can be part of, all people can be part of, or you know, there is a system that is in place to take care of those that can't or choose not to or whatever. We have to um, make sure that people's basic needs are constantly being met or else they will resort to more desperate measures to make money. And on top of that, you know, just being in this country, you are, you know, encouraged to have this extreme, you know, wealthy lifestyle, you know, have this side hustle to get you there kind of mentality. And I think that with with teachers, especially because we don't make a lot of money um, and school counselors don't make that much money either. We, you know, we have a master's degree too. And, uh, you know, we do everything, we do every class along with the, um, you know, the mental health uh, group as well, except for the DSM course. So that's basically like the only thing I don't have training on. Uh, So it's just, it's, it's hard because you realize that you, you've been trained so much, you've had all this education and you're not, you're barely able to cover your bills. And on top of that, you're in this country that's selling you this, you have to live this lifestyle. You have to show everyone, you know, that you have all these things. So that way, they feel some sort of FOMO or want your lifestyle or whatever. Um, And it's just, that's not sustainable. It's not right. And it's also, I think, what has perpetuated this MLM uh, plague upon us uh, so much. And I think, especially in education where people are, you know, supposed well, not, I don't want to say supposed to, where a lot of people come from a really genuine place of wanting to do good. Um, I think that it taints it with, um, you know, needing to also, well, it's not even tainting because people need to be able to meet their needs, to be right. able to pay their bills. They need to be able to have those things and also live their lives a little and not feel so uh, pressured because of money being so tight. And I think, that's where, um, you know, they really are able to plant those seeds in, in this community specifically because we really do feel very exploited. And uh, what's better for a group that's exploited than for uh, someone who wants to exploit them? Right, so, exactly. exactly. Join a cult. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Um, so I definitely think, you know, teachers in general, they really... Um, have been presented kind of like this ideal lifestyle as well. You know, like if you're a mom, oh, you know, being a teacher, working in a school is the best because you have the schedule that matches up with your kids. However, um, there's so much invisible labor that goes into running schools that is often um, immediately put onto all of the women there. And it's just, I think that kind of mentality makes us all also very primed to be involved in these schemes outside of it, because yep. it seems all—it's it, like you know the the devil, you know,
0: right? And like at school. Uh, so also related, I have the same issue with like the mental health counseling world. Like, you get out of college, you have all of this set, you have your master's, and you make pennies. Um. And so, and you want, and you go into it because you want to help people. So we're all looking for this way. And then you want, you want to make more money. So like, you need to make more money and you're being sold like this opportunity to also help people. Like, it's just a whole mess. The whole thing is a mess. I lost my train of thought and what I was going to comment <laughs>
1: It's okay. I think the the way that we've kind of just been, uh, you know, segueing off of each other, and yeah. you know, it's been working. But um, the the thing with uh, what's it called? People that work in the the school system is that they um. Thought now too.
0: <laughs> they um, you know, oh, have, I, I, I thought of what I was gonna say. Well, maybe you'll think of what you were going to say while I think talk. Um, But so what you're saying is like, you know, all of this like emotional labor and physical labor is getting put on to the women who enter the schools. And then they're presented with these opportunities to be like, oh, run your own business and make money and help people. And that just sounds so lovely, doesn't it? To have control over something in your life versus being handed all of this stuff that you don't really get paid for. Um, so like this opportunity where you feel like you have control, like you're almost being paid in the like illusion that you have control over your business.
1: Um, which... when we don't have so, we have so little control in the schools. That's where the point that I was trying to make is that we have so little control. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot of times, you know, we, we are told what we are allowed to, to teach, um, you know, what we're, what kind of lessons, a lot of times, uh, we, we plan in groups, However, I think that when it comes to MLMs and what they offer, they offer, you know, the ability to move up uh, and there's not really that option when you work in like what we work in in, and health and, you know, you can't like rise up the ladder of anything really. Um, So it's, it's hard because you kind of get stuck in this mentality of, well, I'm just gonna be making this very little amount for how long and maybe get a very marginal increase a couple years, you know, every couple years, but not enough that it's, it means anything in in terms of quality of life. And um, so it's just, it's, it becomes really difficult to, um, I guess, deal with both of those things, you know, existing at the same time, you know, like loving your, your work as well as not having the funds to have a, a, quality life Um, and I think that MLMs really prey on that I think that the um, just the fact that they are constantly in schools like um, you know offering these little gifts you know I've gotten so many from um, from teachers I've had oh my gosh I knew a a teacher who did LuLaRoe and she had a pop-up like in our school so it's it the thing is is those relationships now with everyone that you work with are just not genuine. Good. They're not genuine. They're
0: not genuine. They're tainted with money. Right. It becomes a transactional friendship and that's the worst part in my opinion. Like the worst part of being in these cults is that everything becomes a transaction and I have really struggled with this like all my life of like making genuine friendships and feeling like my friendships are genuine. So you can only imagine the whirlwind that has been going on in my brain while I've been trying to sort all of these feelings out. Um, But I think it's really hard going back to the school part is that, you know, teachers particularly right now are under fire all of the time. Um, and you should be able to rely on your coworkers to like, be there for a laugh or a cry or whatever, without thinking like, oh my God, if I talk to Sandy next door, she's going to sell me something, (laughs) whatever (laughs) pyramid scheme she's in today it might not happen
1: right that moment, but they might use your pain as like a way to pitch to you as to kind of like groom you into maybe potentially joining them because they have an out for you. You know, right. they are, and it's just, it's something that, that they really teach you to do in MLMs and what any call is to find those, you know, points that people are vulnerable. And there's just so many of those when you're in education. And there are so many days where people want to quit because of the level of intensity, just of how much work it is, how many, you know, constant fires you are needing to put out. And when someone hands you a a job that basically is, you know, 90% less uh, face-to-face interaction and, you know, more so just like, clerical work and, you know, like sending these messages and copy paste and whatever, I can see why a lot of people get drawn into it because it's, it's just, it seems like a way out of this rat race of
0: teaching, you right. know? Exactly. And oh gosh, it just, it kills me to think that these teachers who are busting their butts every day to educate these kids and they're spending all of this money to try and make a pyramid scheme work.
1: And to try to recruit people that they work with. And even worse, sometimes they're students. Like I um, you know, had a professor, I'm not going to give any sort of like clue, <laughs> but they did try to recruit many of their students. To do a nail wrap MLM, and um, it was just. And now they're they're doing uh, another a skincare one. Um, but yeah, I feel like but,
0: there should be some way that you can report them. I don't. I wouldn't even know where to um,
1: because they're an adjunct and they go kind of like. Oh. Yeah. So I don't. I wouldn't even know where to. But yeah, they were they were recruiting some of their their students.
0: You, you know, know, you should be able to at least report it to the school, um, now that I think about it, because it's soliciting. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Honestly, I mean, I don't know if I, if they would even care, because it's been, it's been a bit, um, yeah. since that particular hap- it, like, that particular thing happened, but, um, yeah, definitely seen some of that, um, even when I was in my, my master's program for, for counseling, I mean, um, one, of my, one of my mentors uh, was doing a skincare MLM on the side too. And I know a couple of the people that I, I graduated with, they're, they're, they're in their positions and they're also doing an MLM on the side.
0: Oh my God. And it's
1: like, what are you guys doing? what
0: are you doing you uh, said all that and you <laughs> unlocked the core memory uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember when I was in grad school I was doing plexus and I would come in with all of my stupid drinks and I would set them all up on my table like I was so cool and I had all of, I had like my little sample creams and I was just like, oh, like if I like had dry hands, I'd use my sample cream and I'd be like, oh, do you want one? Like, whatever. Oh my God. I'm so cringy. I hate that. Oh gross. <laughs> Oh my God. And I can only imagine what everyone was thinking now. They're probably like, oh my God, Danielle is going to be a counselor and she is selling this junk.
1: <laughs> or, or what I think is more common is they see it and they're like, oh, she's doing it. Maybe I can do it too. But maybe not that one. Maybe I'll just have to find one that works for me. That's that's the way that I feel like it ends up going because what we, and kind of like the big message that we've been, um, you know, going over is like, how does it look to, to the kids that we work with um, and also to the people that we we work with on a daily basis that, you know, we're in this very intense job and what we are doing is modeling like a very uh, unethical and selfish way of making money uh and disguising it as a an antidote for all their problems right exactly and making it and normalizing this normalizing this oh you know you're a you're a professional and you also have your side hustle and that's the way you got to do things
0: right it's normal to not make enough money to live so you need to have another stream of income bingo it it's such a mess because I feel like nobody realizes that these things are actually draining your pockets instead of giving you like additional streams of income. And I feel like um, I wish there were things in our education system that like taught us about MLMs and taught us about like legitimate ways to make money and to make sure you're staying afloat and like if college is actually the right decision for you before you get into all of this debt and stuff like that like I feel like we blindly walk into college thinking this is going to be the best thing for me and then we walk out with more debt than we can ever manage and the only thing that you can do is nod and smile and pretend it doesn't exist and hope that one day you die (laughs) and it's gone (laughs) And your debt is not even really gone because they will find the next member
1: of your family. Yeah, I know they—they they will. I'm serious. Like, do not do not take your student loans. Like, and just like you know, say, oh, it doesn't really. Like, they will harass you and make your life miserable until after you die for the uh, your entire rest of your. Unless you like, like, I, I mean, I don't know. This is a really long tangent, but yeah. It's just student loans are no joke do not mess around with them or or they will start you know taking like they'll start skimming off your paychecks they'll start you know like they'll take your tax refunds like everything like that so do not do do not mess with that
0: oh it's such a mess the whole this is a whole tangent but like it's such a mess but i feel like it's a big part of what's wrong for our generation is because we were told to go to college We were told the only way to be successful is to go to college. And if you go to a trade school, poo-poo to you, which is not true. It's not. And like, now we're like in all of this debt and so many of us are unable to pay for it. And honestly, like, I can't imagine not thinking that an MLM was the answer with how much debt I have.
1: I understand that completely and I think that they really also they, they sell that to you mm-hmm. because they you know part of like my sorry this is a little bit of a jump but like it'll make sense when I was in my master's we did a whole bit about like college and career readiness about mm-hmm. like you know how to prepare kids for you know the work world and all that and it's like this this is really The point that we need to have these conversations with them, you know, like, first of all, that in college that you're going to accrue so much debt, and it needs to be for something that you consider worth it to pay back that debt, or, um, you know, you might have to explain the process of like, if you're going to be a school teacher or work in any sort of public, public, you know, arena, you can do the public student loan forgiveness. Thing. and that's a whole it's like a job on top of a job on top of everything that you're already doing it's a lot of information that's not given to people that I don't think people would have gone into it as far as they do if they knew what they know now you know what I mean right exactly
0: and like if I knew then what I know now like would I still be doing this probably but like I might have like worked more when I was in school to like pay off my loans and like not taking out debt as I went and like we're just not taught that and it's really unfortunate I actually really like the way that this conversation has spun into (laughs) because it's all related right I mean like it all comes down to these kids that turn into adults and join pyramid schemes
1: (laughs) And they're kind of getting that subliminal messaging from a very young age. If you think about like, you know, they're seeing oh these, these cups that their teachers are holding. I mean, those become kind of like ingrained sometimes in your memory. Like I remember a lot of times, like, you know, what my teachers were holding in their hand, like, you know, while they were teaching us or whatever. And, um, you know, a lot of times these, these teachers will have these cute tumblers with their like, like their names, you know, embossed in them or whatever. And you know, I think like a lot of kids will probably remember those things about them. Um, I mean,
0: well, will they not? maybe, I don't know. Bare minimum, I think that, you know, teachers, therapists, uh, anyone in like that position where you are in a position of power. What you are consuming in front of people holds power over them and it gives weight and value to it. Like, oh, my therapist is using aromatherapy, so that must be good. Or, oh, like, my therapist is drinking Shakeology, so like, that must be good. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I trust my teacher, I trust my therapist. They're drinking this. It must be good for me. Like, why oh, would I think anything hey. other? at the very least there's nothing wrong with it at the very least there is nothing wrong with it exactly it legitimizes things to children so that they are primed to be the next victims
1: exactly (laughs) yeah
0: it's like chilling to think about
1: Yeah, it really is. This is why I'm very, um, very passionate about talking about MLMs in schools because of this kind of like, you know, the message that it sends to kids and just how, um, you know, how easy teachers are to target because of the nature of the job and the situation that we are given. Um, I think also just um this this culture in general just really again i keep kind of like harping on this like you know this lifestyle and stuff mm-hmm. like that it's just it, it becomes much harder to live when the, the the cost of living has gone up so high, and there's jobs that are not matching it. And you know this this opportunity is telling you that, like, oh, we're you're going to be able to make all of this money, and it's you know it's going to be so much that you're not even going to need to worry about having a retirement. Like that is a bold claim. Yeah. That is a really bold claim, and to um, you know to to offer that to people. Um, You know, it's like, especially with what they're dealing with right now um, in this country, especially, I know that MLMs are in every country, but I think especially here where we are, um, it's just, it's, we're so incredibly overworked and underpaid and it's just, we're very easy targets for this, these schemes, even though it seems like, um, you know, there's more and more information coming out about them every
0: day. Well, it's hard too, because we're in the tunnel, right? Where we see all of it because we're anti-MLM. Yes. So we are seeing it, but the masses of people are not seeing it. And they're, you know, either looking at it and thinking, oh, that's fine. Just not for me. And like letting it be legitimate or they're buying into it. And then you have the people that are actually anti-MLM that are like, no, stop, (laughs) Um, so it's just, it's such a mess. It's such a mess. And like, I think I've been saying this almost every episode now, but like, we really need more people to share about how dangerous these things are, because I think the only way we're going to really make uh, waves is if we can educate consumers. Because they're so wrapped up in big pyramid money, that to make, like, actual changes and to shut these corporations down is going to take so long. I and mean, maybe there's more to it that I don't know or understand because I'm just a little old me and I can only do so much and learn so much, <laughs> but I, I really see the, the niche of, like, making changes by educating people. <sighs> so.
1: Yeah, it's important, and I, I try to, on an interpersonal level, you know, like, have these conversations constantly it's it's hard though because it becomes even more difficult when you're working with people and you don't want to you know mess up a relationship or cause yourself a problem potentially with maybe you know being fired because you can be fired for anything.
0: right I think a good place um for admin and schools to start talking about it is if like People can start addressing admin who, and hopefully they're not um, selling any MLM stuff, but like, you know, if they can approach the admin and be like, hey, like, I think that we should make sure we're having conversations with the whole staff that soliciting is not okay on school grounds and that this includes MLM products. And that would be a really great place for this conversation to start at schools, And then hopefully we could educate admin more and more to have educational material available and, you know, maybe potentially other financial means to help people. Like, I don't know whether it is a second job that like is actually hourly wages or what, but like, there needs to be something we need to start somewhere. This is a problem
1: yeah yeah it really is and it's uh it's it's really disheartening to see people in in schools uh you know selling these things mostly because you know that people that work in schools have again such big hearts and they want to support the people that they work with mm-hmm. so a lot of times you know they're they're very easy targets to sell to
0: very very, and it's, it's just so sad to see these people taken advantage of over and over again. Oh my God, my computer keeps yelling at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I can't, I don't know. I don't know what else we can do to like physically make changes happen than other than starting the conversation with admin teams of having anti-MLM conversations at schools and anti-soliciting conversations and letting people know. Like, like I remember when I was in MLM, I had no idea I was soliciting. I didn't know that I was soliciting. I just thought I was doing what I was supposed to do. Yep.
1: that's. I think that's the thing too, is like, you know these things like are not right, but the way that they're kind of presented to you when you're in an MLM, is yeah. completely different. So you don't really see it as, you know, what it is. And that's what kind of, you know, keeps up this whole cloud, this whole facade, you know. But it, I think with the whole soliciting in schools thing, that's going to have to really also open up a bigger conversation about, even like teachers who make things are they are you know are they supposed to bring them you know into schools and sell them to people that they work with i don't think so but some people will be really offended that we say that because that's you know they they feel like they should have you know the right to be able to bring the, the things that they create that they make i think that if you want to have that outside of your work that's fine if you have a page like that you want people from your work to follow fine whatever but when you're at work and you are on, you know, the clock with your, you know, coworkers. It's just it's inappropriate to be shilling anything. Anything that is not related
0: to school. Exactly. Exactly. No, I agree. I think it is inappropriate and like I I know that there are people that will be upset about that, but like you shouldn't at the end of the day, you really shouldn't be selling things at your place of work in general. no no it it, doesn't matter where you work yeah and and it becomes especially really gross
1: when you when you talk about education because this is not supposed to be a transactional relationship between anyone you know and it's it's just it's very very it's gross it makes me feel itchy and I just don't like it at all I wish people did not have the mentality that it was okay to sell to people that you are, you know, close to or work with. I think that um, you know, whoever was having the conversation about there being a time when that was like kind of taboo to sell to people that you knew, we need to kind of I don't know, get that mentality, right. Specific- back you know maybe not the other things that were happening at the time but like just the time when people knew it was not okay to sell to your friends and family
0: right exactly I don't was that ever
1: was that ever a time (laughs) I think I, I was I was listening to an interview that Robert Fitzpatrick did with someone and he was talking about how there was a time when it was a little bit like less socially acceptable to sell to your friends and family and um, kind of like around the time that, uh, you know, Amway kind of came to fruition and just everything around that era, uh, the the kind of mindset around relationships and commodifying them changed at least as far as I, I understood from that. But yeah, I just, I don't know what specifically caused it. But I, like, just, I don't know, maybe it's one of those things, though, where once you, like, let the, the thing out, you can't put it back in. Yeah.
0: yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I want to kind of come back to, like, teachers using um, MLM products in the classroom. Because there's something about that that's really bothering me. Oh, and yeah. uh, I, I can't stop thinking about it like what we were talking about where like kids are being exposed to like this diet culture or the the scents like the essential oils or whatever that could have reactions to it just makes me so angry I don't know I actually have any other comments to say about it other than the fact that I'm really upset thinking about it um it is really upsetting. I, I have
1: seen, um, there was, I just will never forget that there was this one teacher I worked with and her entire room was stocked with like different MLM products. I, I'm not sure if she sold any specifically, but I just, um, you know, this was during the time of, of, of COVID when we had to go to specific classrooms to teach um, because I was a specialist teacher. This is like a lot of extra information, but anyways, um, so I was going classroom to classroom to teach on mm-hmm. a car. And uh, I remember going into this teacher's classroom and like, oh my gosh, she has like beauty counter here and like doTERRA here and like all these other. And it was just so, I was like, okay, this is odd. Um, but I've also seen them in like some very, very odd places at my dentist office. Ooh. Ah, there's, they, they have doTERRA toothpaste. No. I know. Like this is what this is what becomes even more dangerous because these are people that you really trust. It's like nurses and other you know kinds of medical professionals that um, have these products alongside them. It legitimizes them in in everyone's mind. Even the people that are working there, even the people that are frequenting you know the establishment, they see the product, they see that it's it's being used, and they see that it's normal.
0: Right. Oh gosh, and it's just like. And it stinks because of how defensive MLMs train people to be. It's not like you can really approach your dentist and be like, hey. Stop selling doTERRA. Yeah. Like, oh, God. Uh, So, like, it really stinks. So, like, if you're listening to this and you're wondering what do you do if your dentist office sells doTERRA or any other MLM product, honestly, I would be saying go to their board go to their licensing board it's an ethical I, I I don't I can't speak for dentists I don't know what their code of ethics is
1: yeah I don't know either I, th- I feel like they're kind of along in the same world with like chiropractors and that's a whole nother you know conversation <laughs> oh gosh um yeah. but- I think in general, you know, anytime you have these people in positions of power, again, when you're a teacher, you have power over the kids and their families. And right. so when they see, um, you know, that you're offering these products in your classroom when they come to do their classroom tour at the beginning of the year, you know, that's going to also normalize it for them. That's going to say, oh, I, I saw that in, you know, my, my kid's teacher's classroom. Oh, that doesn't seem so bad. If right. they're doing it, it must not be so bad because I trust them.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, oh God, I I just can't, I just can't. I'm
1: the dentist. No, <laughs> I, I know. that one completely blew my mind too. Honestly, it's just it's it's hard because when you have insurance and you know it's switching around is, is tough. It but is tough. It, it just blew my mind, and also in you know this. This area is, has got a lot of, a lot of MLMs going on. Um, I mean, gosh, like, I feel like almost every person that I've met this past year has been in somehow also involved in, in an MLM, like, yep. uh, it's just, it's, it's, it, they're so pervasive. And I think when people start to kind of open their eyes to all of the signs around them, they'll realize like how deep everyone is in and around them, like, and they don't even realize it.
0: Right. Exactly. Oh, so sad. All right. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, I think
1: that was pretty much all of my thoughts about education and MLMs. I mean,
0: gosh, that was, that was a lot. Yeah. So, um, my new closing question has been, what is your anti MLM why I don't know if you were coached to have a why in your MLM time, but if you don't know, it's, you know, you're supposed to have a why that makes you cry. So.
1: I have heard that before, but, um, it was strangely not pushed, uh, in my time in MLM, but I definitely see it with everyone else. Uh, The why that I am anti-MLM is because I have seen so much of the devastation that it causes. And I think that when you become uh, someone who studies, you know, psychology or um, any kind of, you know, sociology, you start studying, you start learning about people, you want to kind of learn what influences them and you want to learn about what is out there that can hurt them and i think that um you know because we see people every day you know we we hear their stories so many are touched by these companies and um you know they might not even realize that they're giving that kind of breadcrumb to you as they're talking you know what i mean it, it's it might not seem like a big point in their story but it could mean it could be like a big thing you know for right. example uh, i mean gosh i don't want to like give like too many specifics but like uh, what's it called one time I had a a student um send me an email uh with a link to their mom's uh pharmacy company page Ooh. So, yeah, yeah, and it's just um you know uh, she probably i don't know didn't think anything of it, but it's just you know this is a kid that has just learned that it's okay to sell to your teacher um for your mom.
0: Yeah. I, and, um, I you know, don't love the exploitation of that.
1: <laughs> I don't love it either. I, I, I try to not be judgmental because I understand that so many people are very, um, you know, they struggle a lot, especially in this area, Yeah, um, you know, so it's, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, but stop exploiting your damn kids. Y'all yeah. it is not good. No. It is not good. It is not a good
0: look. No. Oh, oh, that yeah. it, it hurts my heart too to like think of the parent who is like feeling such a need to like message the teachers to be like, okay, well maybe they'll buy it.
1: And not even messaging them directly, but having your kid message them. Yeah.
0: Oh. Uh.
1: It was signed from the child. Like, can you see can you check out my mom's, you know, little beauty store that she it's just launched, and it's just like, if I didn't know what this was, of course, you know I would want to support well, I would want to support because you know, like I know this student, but yeah. it's also in in the grand scheme of things, it's not really ethical to do that, you know, unless I am out at a market and for some you know coincidental reason, some parent that you know their kid goes to my school has a stand there, like yeah, that's just the way the world works, but right. that kind of like breach of boundaries is it's it definitely sets a precedent for the kid I think it sets a precedent for you know anyone else that like got that kind of message you know because then it's like wait you know if, if for someone who doesn't really think about it they're like ah, oh, you
0: know whatever but
1: for us it's 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 a huge problem right. to have them starting this young you know right. and so that's what I think long, 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 long story short, uh, you know, that's my why for being anti MLM is that um, I think it just causes so much harm and people need to understand the depths of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Like this was such a good conversation. I really appreciated it. It's definitely a conversation that needed to be had um so i'm really glad that you approached me and, and also were able to do this so last minute that was really cool um luckily it fell on christmas break so very exciting that we were able to make this happen and um if anyone else wants to share their story my dms are open um i'm at from huns to humans with little underscores in between on instagram on tiktok i'm just at from huns to humans or you can email me um, from hunts to humans at gmail.com. And yeah, I'll put all that stuff in the notes. And um, just thank you again. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone.